You're listening to Misunderstood Podcast, where we're setting the record straight on all things misunderstood. I'm your host, Kelly Hall, pageant runner-up, model, speaker, entrepreneur, pageant queen, and U.S. Navy lieutenant. I may have never won a Miss USA title, but I am the queen of being misunderstood. Welcome to the show, guys. What's up, world? Welcome back to another episode of Misunderstood Podcast. I'm so excited. I have Dr. Corinne Devin on the show. Applause. Welcome, Corinne. It's so great to have you on here. Kelly, I am super pumped and honored to be on your show. I'm a major fangirl of your episode. I listen to every single one as they soon come out. So trust me, the honor is all mine to truly be a guest on your show. Thank you so much for having me and greetings for the future. It is like I'm 15 hours ahead of you in Japan, the land of the rising sun. (laughs) Like, and just to know, like just how incredible you are, you woke up at like four in the morning to accommodate my central time zone here in Chicago to record from like, that's insane. The dedication is unreal. Cause I don't think I could do that. I value well, sleep so much. Yeah. I, I guess I'm just high on life and patriotism and I believe it or not, I actually normally wake up at four o'clock in the morning normally because that's, I got to get a workout in before I get to the office. Cause in Navy medicine, they like to start extra early, like being at the office at 6.30 morning. And I'm not the first one there, believe it or not. I'm probably one of the last people to roll in at wow, that time. That is crazy. I've never been a morning person. I'm only a morning person. Like you said, it's like when I'm in the grind, like I'm up against a timeline, I have a pageant coming up, or you know what I mean? Like, like I don't voluntarily do it. I'm not like leisurely, like let's get up at four in the morning. I always work out in the evenings, but... I admire you for that because again, like if you want to be successful, you have to make those sacrifices. So taking notes over here, literally taking notes from <laughs> yes. you. Okay. So I failed to give you a proper introduction and I'm going to do it separately, but just for everyone who's hopping on, I have just loved following you for, I don't know, four years now. It's been a, it's been a minute. It's been like, since I started in recruiting, I connected with you. I saw you posted on something and then I started following you. And I was like, oh my God, she's so much similar to me. Like you are, well, actually, no, I'm not a doctor, but (laughs) but still like you're a dentist, you are a pageant competitor. Now you're an upcoming author. You're a speaker. You balance so many things in the military as a Navy commander. And so you like, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. Like you forged this path way before me, you're a trailblazer. So I'm a huge fan of you and you did this so differently than like what I've been talking about on the podcast and what I previously said to listeners. So I think your perspective would be terrific. And I've got to tell you, anytime I have female midshipmen or female officers or pretty much any in the military ask me questions, I always refer to them to your page because they're like, Oh. oh, who else? Yeah. They're like, who else can I talk to? I'm like, well, actually like, I'm not doing, I'm not really like doing anything insane that's ever been done before. Like there's other people out there who are doing this too. And then I show them you and they're like, Oh, what? Like everyone's mind blown. So seriously, you're incredible. And I'm so appreciative. Well, it goes right back to you. I am impressed in how you do everything, especially being an animal's aid and 
living in a town where you have to deal with a mountain full of snow right now, probably until the month of May. So um, it goes right back to you. But, you know, one thing I would just tell your audience is that you can be whoever you want to be. It's just Mm -hmm. finding a way to make it happen. You know, you you can't go, C.S. Lewis once said, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And that is what I've done. And like you, who was a military brat where we were born in the military, we drank the Kool-Aid and somehow we're still in and we're finding a way to make it our own and make it unique. And we're not following some pre-designed path, but we're creating one that works for us. Mm-hmm. And when we arrive at these destinations, these multiple destinations where we are in life, there is no one size fits all. It can be diff- done differently in a unique way. And thereby kind of our actions change the game. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I really have appreciated. You know, one thing that I definitely love that you preach to everyone on the podcast and on your social media is that you have to have good job performance. you got to crush it at your job first before you dive into these other activities. And the other thing that you also preach that I really, really go by is communication. Mm -hmm. You know, being very clear, direct, not apologetic, but also sweet and, Mm -hmm. and also circling back is huge with people because just like any other major corporation in the world, that is where a lot of things can get lost is communication. So my leaders are very well aware, reminded, checked in, circled back with any of these projects that I do. Because I, I know if, if people like you and they trust you, they're going to be on board and they're going to support you. And at mm-hmm. the end of the day, you need that support to get that yes. Because let's be honest, we all love hearing yes. So mm-hmm. very often, especially being stationed in Japan, where we are just under the constant eye of another country being a guest, you know, very often we're told no. And so my, my action is like, okay, sir, I know what we can do, but what can we do? How mm-hmm. can we get to yes? What would make us say yes to X, Y, and Z? And that's very often what I do on my job day to day basis as being a quarterback on a football team with yeah. a bunch of dentists and dental yeah. officers. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I'm so glad you're reiterating this because I feel like it, it, it does need to be reiterated. I just recently had a, a sweet midshipman reach out who amazingly like felt inspired by my podcast has been following me since she was a plebe. And it's like, I can't wait to graduate and become an officer but I also cannot wait to pursue X, Y, and Z. And she was like, I want to be an actress. I want to be a model. I want to try out for an NFL cheerleading team. Like, and I was like, that's amazing. Like, I'm so happy that you have gone to the Naval Academy and you still feel inspired. I was like, but you did go to the Naval Academy and you have to remember that that commitment comes first. And she, she kind of like was like, not expecting, I think me to say that as like, you know, the woman who always talks about doing both, like that is true. Like, yes, we can have all of these things, just like you said, like we can create our own labels and create our own paths. But when you're in the military, like you took that initial commitment. So you have to remember that, like you committed yourself to that first and you have to perform and you have to show up and you have to make sure that's solid. And then these other things can come to fruition. So I feel like, like I said, it always needs to be reiterated. And I'd love to kind of dive in more to what you said. You said creating a path that works for us. So specifically with you as a commander in the Navy, you have even more responsibilities than all of us do. You know, my audience is, we're, most of us are like O3s, lieutenants, petty officers. You know, we don't have the level of responsibility that you do. And you are still going out there and doing more and making an impact and putting your hand into so many different pots. So what is your recommendation to start creating the path that works for us and all the passions we want to explore? 
One thing that I would tell you that I learned is that if you can find a way to spend 30 minutes to an hour of your day towards that hobby, Hmm. and if you can do it before 7.30, there's actually science and research that says if you can do that before 7.30, that is one way that you can start doing that. Because let's be honest, as soon as you get to the office, as soon as you get to the ship or wherever your place of duty is that you report, your day is going to get ambushed. Things are going to happen. And Nothing is more frustrating knowing there was that one thing that you want to do that day that you were super excited about that now the day is gone. You're exhausted. You're home. You're just cooking dinner. You're getting ready for bed and you just hadn't had a chance to work on it. So that's one thing. I never dreamed that I would start waking up at four o'clock in the morning. That is something that has been an evolution over time. And, you know, for me, what makes me feel good is getting a workout in before work. Mm. I, so for me, like, Finding something that will make you feel alive and also kind of self-care, identify what that is, and then finding a way to put it in your day. So you always have that to look forward. It's always something that's going to fill you up and keep you in a better place, a better mood, a better space than, you know, if you didn't do it. Yes. Are there days I hit the snooze? Absolutely. I am human. And I have as many good days as shitastic days as everyone Mm -hmm. else. Yeah. Yeah. It's my way of, you know, reacting to it. The other thing I would tell you is that, you know, we all have seasons in life where different areas of our life are going to take more of a present than, than other. Just like I'm sure in your career, there's different jobs or different people that you work for where that's going to take more of a focus than the other things you do. And that's the same thing for me being overseas, both in Italy when the pandemic hit and then also mm-hmm. now in Japan. There are certain activities like writing a book, working on a keynote talk that I feel that if I was stationed maybe somewhere else stateside, I may not have that luxury to have that time to work for it. Yeah. And so, you know, I believe we're in a society where we want to have everything at once. We want to do everything at once. We want instant gratification right away. But, you know, anything in life that is worth working for, it's going to take time. It's going to take the process. And the person that you're going to come a long way is much more important than the actual goal of getting there. And again, being a science girl, like dopamine is one of those things out there where you get very excited about. But if you look at the research or you look at some of the people, even our own military, our Navy SEALs, the people who are in recon or some of these highly, very specialized jobs, they will tell you that just the act of completing little goals a long way towards that bigger goal is just as rewarding. Hmm. And so that is what sometimes I would tell people with some of these amazing, incredible goals, being an actress, being a model, whatever it is taking the little steps, getting those little goals accomplished before yeah. you actually get it there and breaking it down. So that would be a couple of things I would tell your audience to do of, you know, small steps that, you know, take you towards that uh, bigger picture of what you want to achieve. You know, I already kind of feel bad about myself because when you said 7.30, I was like 7.30 at night. Like that's where my brain <laughs> went. I was like, wow, I'm doing something right because I feel like most of the time I get my my outside passions and hobbies and interests in by 7.30. And then you said morning and I was like, oh, I definitely don't do that. I definitely just drink coffee. And that's about it before 7.30. Well, I'm a morning person. <laughs> I know when I'm the freshest, but you know, if if you are truly an evening person and that works for you. That's great. I guess for me, just looking at some of the science I've read and when people are most fresh and they're most Mm -hmm. awake, they haven't been on their phones, they haven't been on their computers, whatever laptops, you name it. It's usually before 7.30. That's why I mentioned that. But yeah, you're probably so right. I probably need to work on that because right now, I mean, I, I swear like the busier I am, the better I do. When I don't have a lot going on, like during quarantine, I was like so sluggish and uninspired. And I was like, yeah, 
if I don't feel like working out today, I'll work out tomorrow. But then being on like such a strict schedule, which I think the military helps with that because we're always on a strict schedule. I'm like, okay, like Thursday's literally the only time I have to get a workout in, like must carve that into my schedule, podcast recording, must take advantage whenever I can, you know, days like today. So I think it helps keep me regimented. But what would you say, you know, you said actions change the game. Are there other actions besides like small steps that you would recommend, like a mindset or the way that you think or scheduling or planning or anything actionable that listeners can really like take note of moving forward? You know, depending on what you want to go into, your passion, your hobby, you know, whatever it is that lights you up, one of the actions that can change the game is working with a coach, working mm. with, when you work with a master, you go faster. Um, great example is if you- That is to- such a good point <laughs> uh, because I have done that without even realizing it. And that's definitely changed the game for me. Okay. Yeah. Wh- that with the master, you go faster. Yes. When you I work love with that. the master, you go faster. And- Put that on a coffee mug. Absolutely. Yes. Because if you think about like, let's say you are going to the gym, you Mm -hmm. can like, you know, you'll get in better shape, but let's say you go there with a personal trainer who's teaching you how to lift using the machines or properly lift weights or changing your diet. All of a sudden you're going to see dramatic change very, very quickly. Of course, working with a trainer costs money. It's Mm going to take time. It's going to take energy. But again, it's a game changer. Let's be honest, you know. It's the same thing with my book, with my talks, with my pageants. When I find someone where I click and I know that they are someone that we can relate on, our schedules can match because it is challenging being overseas, but also the fact that I know they're going to push me. I know they're going to challenge me. I know they're going to put a mirror in front of me that I don't always want to put in front of me or my family and friends are too by have too many biases to put in front of me. To me, that's when I know, hey, this is the right person because- Nothing great comes from being in your comfort zone. Let's be honest. So you got to have someone there who's going to hold you accountable, but also push you. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, that would definitely be a huge action to change the game. The other action to change the game is communication. If it's something you're excited about and you know there's skills that you're going to learn from that. And the line I'm going to take from you is I am a battle neighbor officer because of pageantry. You know, that is 100% true. And I also have had to defend that in the military, especially to the naysayers, the haters, the people who don't understand. And then all of a sudden they can see and understand and you watch that light bulb go on. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Now you have the support of the people that you work with day in, day out. Mm-hmm. who are excited about like, oh, Corinne, what are you competing in next? Like, what are you going to learn from this pageant? Or gosh, you know, I mean, I learned how to cook in Italy because I couldn't hire a meal prep service, which is so mm-hmm. silly, but I have to thank pageants for that. Yeah. And people would be yeah. like, you're in Italy. The food is amazing. I'm like, yeah, just because there's pizza and pasta and gelato and wine everywhere doesn't mean I can eat it or drink yeah. it. Yeah. That's so for true. And I, okay. I have two things to say. I'm like diligently taking notes and feeling so inspired. One just to piggyback off that last point, you know, I feel like, like you said, like pageantry made me a better naval officer, but when you dip into these outside passions, it is going to make you a better leader because you're getting different kinds of experiences and something I love now, like I used to get so frustrated when I'd have to defend myself. Like, you know, for the last federal five years, it's been people online or people on my command or you know, petty officers or commanding officer, whoever it is, I have to like defend myself. And I'm like, oh my God, they're going to bring up the pageant. They're going to bring up Miss California. This is so annoying. They're going to bring up my social media. And then this command 
I was like, I don't know. It was just like, everything's worked out so far. So it's really built my confidence a lot. Same kind of thing happens. Like I check in and people are kind of like looking at me funny and are like, oh, like, you know, it's that officer that's on social media or this or that. But I also noticed that I'm very different than most officers because of the experience that I've had. And they might not realize everything that I've done outside the military, but they do recognize that there's something different about me. And uh, I'll say specifically, you know, there is this one, I won't say his name, but there's this one uh, chief in my command who kind of like always looked at me funny. Like the first two months I checked on board and I told Austin, I was like, it's kind of comical because he's like trying to figure me out. Like, what, what is it that's making her different? I'm like, he, I don't think he like loves how bubbly I am and how going I am and how happy I am, but he's going to learn that I, I'm, I'm going to get the job done. You know, like they'll all eventually learn that I'm going to get the job done. And so it was kind of fun to be like this element of surprise. And so I get like some satisfaction out of it sometimes now because they're all expecting me to be like defensive, like, oh, like, don't talk bad about me doing pageants or like, don't talk bad about me doing stuff on social media. Like, you know, I, I think when you're, you know, you're doing something right, you don't even really have to defend yourself anymore. Like you said, you just kind of explain it. Like if you want to explain it to those who are, who are willing to listen and like actually want to learn about it, that's completely different than defending it. So like, I'm happy to explain it, but yeah, I, I get like this fun satisfaction out of like, people can't quite put their finger on like what makes me different as an officer. And then when they find out eventually like, Oh, like she did this or she did that. They're like, Oh, this makes a lot more sense, but it's kind of fun. Like it's kind of fun to like kind of keep that to yourself and just let the chips fall where they may, because these outside passions and hobbies truly are making you better in your profession. You may not realize it right away, but eventually, like you said, those habits, teaching yourself those things like over time, like that's going to translate into directly what you're doing every day. Oh, 100%. And when you're able to show the benefits and the commonalities there are between Mm -hmm. these um, activities, you know, pageantry in the military is probably the one that you get asked the most and I get asked the most. And Mm -hmm. I tell people it's service, camaraderie, devotion, dedication, innovation, all these things are just like tradition they're like, oh my gosh, really? They have no idea. And all of a sudden you're opening up their eyes and their world to another place they never thought of. And the best part now is when they want to do it or they have children, they want to do it. They're coming to you for help. They're coming to you asking, gosh, how do I navigate this? How can I make it work? You made it work. How can I make it work? And for me, that is such a beautiful thing. And one thing I would tell any of our uh, colleagues, especially ones that are your midshipmen, is being overseas and and doing these activities is actually very much celebrated so much because it builds relations with our host nation. So at my last command, a lot of the things that I learned from pageantry and then I did out in Italy and now with Japan, you know, it's kind of touch and go because this country handles the pandemic a little differently. It's been great because let's be honest, anything that sparkles, anything that puts a smile on someone's face, it's universal, even if you don't speak the same language. And it's such a great way for us as Americans, us as military, you know, service members to show the diversity that we have and who we are. And even some of my leaders who haven't been supportive, it's great when I do meet other leaders who are. And you know what? Next year, I'm in zone for captain. And this is one of the reasons why I want to make captain in the Navy, because I want to show people that you can have these various sides of who you are. And mm-hmm. in turn, 
if they make you more excited to serve that passion, that caring, it's going to become become contagious to people around you. Because let's be honest, no one, no one wants to be Debbie around a Debbie Downer. No one wants to be around the person who's putting people down. They want to be around someone who's going to make them excited and want to be there because in turn, that makes you that much more of a better person in the Navy, a much more better well-rounded person to handle, you know, the roller coaster ride that we're all on, especially right now, yeah. it's such a dynamic environment that we live in. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with the diversity. I feel like that has followed me in the last five years. You know, diversity was really spoken on whenever I was on the ship my first couple of years at sea. Like, they did not care how diverse you were. They cared about how well you could drive the ship. Like, you know, that was it. And then I got into the force development aspect of the Navy through HR and, th- and recruiting and everything else. And you're seeing like widespread, like the fleet, like every little person, they all add to like a greater being of like the Navy functioning. And so like you need new ideas, you need different personalities, you need different leadership styles, you need all these different experiences so that way we can keep up with the world around us. You know, if we just have blinders on and we don't learn other things and we're just like, well, I'm going to be a really good ship driver and that's all that's going to matter. Like it's going to be so difficult to keep moving forward. You know, you just mentioned living in Italy and like, I'm so grateful that I was able to live in Italy as a kid. And like, that was my first introduction to like, whoa, the world operates completely differently here. (laughs) They act, they believe different. They have reposa, they take naps, like they're always together. They just like have a completely different way of going about life. And like, I'm not saying like I apply my Italian knowledge every single day, but I, the concept of people operating different based on the environment or the country they're in is now something I carry with me, even in Chicago. You know what I mean? Like people act different here than they did in Los Angeles. And that's fine. You know what? It's made me like a less judgmental person. And Mm -hmm. I think the military needs more people who have like a, a wider scope and you know, you and I have the commonality of doing pageants. Like this could be in acting. This could be being a mom. This could be, you know, working in a, in community service or a homeless shelter, whatever it is, but you're gaining different experiences and that is going to pay off a hundred percent. And, uh, like you mentioned, you know, I think there's sometimes like an older mindset in the military, those people who are like, that the Navy, the Navy was never that way and it, we don't need it in the future. But I think there's very much now support from more and more of our leadership that they see younger people like us coming up the ranks and they're like, what is making them different? Oh, it's because they're doing all of these different things. Yeah, 100%. And it's something that I am very, very excited to see because we we need those change. If we don't, if we don't change, if we don't evolve, we're going to be left behind. And if we want to be the strongest military force, if we want to be something that is that leads, you know, without fear, we, we have to, we have to adapt. We mm-hmm. have to adapt. So yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, amen, sister. Amen. <laughs> um, so I am going to get into your upcoming talk, which I am so excited for you. Um, you're going to be talking about why changing the game matters to your success. Before we get into that, I have to ask, do you have like an inner and an outer circle that are not military people? I do. I yeah. definitely do. I, you know, one thing that I was blessed with at a young age as a military brought by you is that I've learned to make friends wherever I go and also yeah. to maintain those friendships. So I have a very wide net of people that have been supporting me ever since I've joined the military as that are not in the military, as well as people that are, are in the military that I just, 
adore as well. And I think it's important to have that because your friends from the military can be understanding of some of the struggles that you have or, you know, when your boss tells you no, or you can't Mm -hmm. get something done, but then it's also nice to have your friends outside the military think about, oh my gosh, you're getting ready to move. Have you thought about this, Corinne? Have you looked into this area? And you're just like, oh my gosh, I had it because you had blinders on. Yeah. So for me, it's it's crucial to have both. It, it gives you a broader perspective. And I, I believe it really makes you just more well-rounded yeah. to, handle, um, to handle our jobs. Yeah. Yeah. I think one, so I was like always military, always. Like, you know, growing up, I had pretty much military kids in my classroom. And then I went to the Naval Academy, you know, obviously there's nothing but fully immersed in the Navy of military mindset 24-7. Yes. There weren't like a bunch of creatives going to art class while you're at the Naval Academy. Like that was not a thing. And then I went straight to the ship, all military. So for most of my life, I didn't really have anyone outside of that circle that didn't know the military. And it wasn't until I made two friends in San Diego. They were my neighbors. I I started building connection with them. And I realized how much of a release it was to have people who were not directly like in the military or connected to the military. And then also I realized the difference. I started talking to them about like, you know, I think about doing a pageant or photography. They were like, that's amazing. Like, I love that you're doing photography. Like, that's so cool. Versus like when I would tell my military friends, they would be like, why? You know, like, I don't understand like why you would do that. That's definitely involved. Obviously I have like a lot of supportive friends now, but they think so differently. Like I could pitch one idea to someone. I could tell someone in the military, like, I want to write a book. And they might say, why? Like, but you're only a lieutenant. Like in their mind, admirals write books. Like, what do you mean you would write a book? Versus I have friends in my, you know, my civilian circle who are like, I'm shocked you haven't even written a book yet. Like, why haven't Mm -hmm. you? Because they just think so differently. They're like, absolutely, you should do this. Like, I see people do it all the time. I have my, my next door neighbor is 33 and she's writing a book right now. By the way, you're writing a book and we'll talk about that too. Yes. I love that they support it because they usually have seen it or they come from like a creative background. And that has definitely helped when it comes to creating your own path as well. It's like having those different opinions. Sometimes there is no path. Sometimes you simply have to leave a trail. And that mm-hmm. has been my experience. And I would challenge that to anyone in your audience who feels that, gosh, they're, I, I don't know which way to go. I don't know what all the steps are. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you yeah. got to stumble and and get off a detour. But guess what? If it doesn't work out, failure is life's way of saying, try again. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you have to stop. It's just saying, Hey, you know what? That, that path is not going to work. You got to, you got to readjust. You got to realign your course. Yeah. And you can force it as much as you want, but like, I always reiterate this to my girlfriends, like what is for you will not miss you. I love that. And I quote you all the time. Thank you. I don't know if I made that up or Someone told me it, but I've said it so many times. I feel like I said it because at this point, I can't remember who told that to me. Like, I just always think about it and I'm still going to put my best foot forward and I'm still going to do the dang thing and I'm going to show up and I'm going to pray about it and like, listen, I'm going to listen to like how things are evolving around me. But I don't want to steal too much of your thunder because I want to leave time for your speech next month. Why changing the game matters to your success. Let's get into that. I I don't know if you can give us all the details, but, you know, on that note, like, 
why is changing the game so imperative to your personal success? Well, the talk is actually in two weeks, to be honest, not next month. So it's coming up oh, quickly. Yeah. 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 No, no worries. It's, you know, time is flying. And, you know, why changing the game matters to your success is because so often, you know, I'm speaking at a group of orthodontists, I'm speaking at the American Association of Orthodontics Convention, and they're finding that there was more women coming into pageantry. So just to give a little background information to your audience, they asked me to speak because they wanted someone who just wasn't a female orthodontist, but someone who was a naval officer and a pageant queen. They wanted someone who had multiple successes. And why changing the game matters is that, you know, in my profession, we went to school for 11, 12, 13 years to get where we are. We made all these sacrifices. We gave up a lot of things to get to where we were. And now we've arrived at whether it's our private practice or we're in a military practice like MM, teaching a residency program, group practice, where you're on this hamster wheel going, going, going in circles. And you're not stopping to take a breath and realize, hey, listen, all those things that I stopped doing, I probably still love doing and, and having a way to kind of do those things and a way to incorporate your practice. So the three areas that I go into in my talk, and I won't give away too much, but the three areas I talk about is, you know, when seeking the unattainable, you change the game. It's kind of my, is my core message that I've coined. That's by me. No one else is just up-leveling your leadership, owning your labels and ditching your code. And what I do for my audience is I give a story of in my life of where those applied, discuss the concept. And then we go into an exercise because I am speaking to them for an hour and a half and then wow. another panel discussion. So I want to have things where people cannot only listen to what I'm saying, but right then and there, learn these three strategic moves and make them their own so they can change the game too. So by the time they walk out of that room, they already know how to take these, put right in their pocket and how to apply them. Mm -hmm. So for me, like I found that all these areas in my life, I had to give up something to get there. I wasn't an orthodontist right away. I was a general dentist for a couple of years. I deployed to Iraq. I was wiring guys jaw shut. And then I realized I wanted to be an orthodontist and applied to get into residency. It wasn't, I never had braces as a child. Getting into pageantry was a complete dare by some jerk in my dental school who told me I couldn't do it. So I had to prove him wrong. And then I met a group of women that I fell in love with. And now 12, 13, 14 years later, I'm still doing it. Mm -hmm. And then joining the military. If you told my eight-year-old self that I was going to go to the Middle East, when my dad went to Operation Desert Storm and I was going to do the exact same thing, I would say, you're crazy. And then guess what I did 20 yeah. years later? I did the same thing. So again, we all are going down these paths in different directions in our life. And sometimes you're just that one decision away from greatness. You're that one decision away from making a huge pivot mm -hmm. and, and just really changing your life, changing the yeah. game. And so that to me is it's what some of the areas that I kind of go into with my talk, which I'm super excited about and so excited. It's our first live conference in two years. So, wow, that's amazing. I, I relate to that so much. Um, on my season two finale, I just spoke about how like doing the scary thing pays off. And so many times when I like reflect on my last, like four, even just four years, you know, my late twenties, that, that's like a really pivotal time. You know, it was like scary for me to like get into a relationship right before I moved. And then he moved with me to Los Angeles. Like all of that was terrifying, but I was like, it's worth it to me to like invest in this and say yes to this concept. That's like terrifying than to think about like what my life would have been like, had I said no and not done it. And there was the same thing with pageantry. Like it was so much work and it was so scary and we had to deal with so many haters and 
all of that. But I'm like, or I could just like sit at home. I mean, when this opportunity presented itself, I'm like, yeah, that's the scary thing to do. Like really put yourself out into something that's totally new. I had never done a pageant before in my life, but it came to my lap, to my screen. And I was like, yes, yeah, I'm going to do it and like see what happens. And the same thing with this job. I had to make a decision within 72 hours if I was going to move to Chicago. And I'm like, wow, this is, this feels really familiar. Like I just keep having these instances where I could definitely say no and I would be fine. Like it's not a life or death decision. I could say no and I would stay where I'm at and I would be content. But like, what if I said yes to that? Like what, what fruit will bear from that experience? And that's like, so far it keeps paying off. I keep learning. I keep growing. I keep setting myself apart. I keep experiencing new things. And so I'm like the biggest fan of doing the scary thing or when you're being challenged, being like, I am just going to do it and like, see what happens. Because I feel like no one ever wrote a best-selling novel because they stay at home and watch Netflix. Like that's not, never, never. And if you do that, that's fine. And like, that's the life that you want for yourself. That's totally okay. But I have a feeling the audience that's tuning into this podcast, like they're, they're thirsting for more than just sitting around watching Netflix every day. They are. And, you know, let's be honest, if you're not doing something that you're scared of when it comes to your leadership, then you're doing it all wrong, which Mm -hmm. means you're staying a place of status quo, which no good leader should ever be. And, you know, I, I get it. I am terrified of failure just like the next one, but you have to adopt that with this new, this new mindset that you're talking about of doing things that you're scared of, of accepting new risk, you know, letting go of imperfection and venturing into mm-hmm. uncharted territory is going to pay off. And you know what, if it doesn't, guess what? You're going to learn as much from falling down in your face as knocking it out of the park. Let's yep. be honest. Yeah. You just are. I mean, for me, the best successes that I had in life were when I got it right. They were when I fell down probably have a couple bruises and scrapes. And then I learned how to pick myself back up. And that yeah. is something I 100% preach to anyone I talk to, whether, you know, it's overseas or back in the States, because so often, you know, people will see either you or I or someone else who looks like they're on this pedestal and they're perfect in so many ways and not realize the struggles, the grit, the determination they had to kind of see things through that are behind this, like, veneer shell, or as my dad would call it, pageant perfect person until you share those things and you be confidently vulnerable. And that is something as a leader that I am constantly preaching to the people I work with, because when you're real and relatable, people want to be around you. They like you because they realize that you're no different than them. Like you go through the same struggles. So to me, you know, being scared is a good thing, especially Mm -hmm. when you've never done it before. It's going to feel impossible, but guess what? I mean, that's simply part of the game. And yeah. it's just going to take momentum to win that game, you know? Yeah. So you got to take the first step, even though you don't want to. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Just got it. It's funny you say that. I, I was going to bed last night and I read a message from a follower. It was like, I love following your page so much because it's actually relatable. And I think, I know I was like, <laughs> thank Aww. you so much. Yes. so sweet. But I think about it and I'm like, <sighs> You know, I have to say this, and I'm not trying to be catty. I feel like sometimes people are, like, trying so hard to be relatable. They're almost unrelatable. Like, they'll go out of their way to, like, mess up their hair and, like, you know, wipe off half their makeup. And then – but, like, they'll, like, comb it a little bit so it's, like, kind of cute and messy. And they'll be like, oh, my God, like, realistically, this is what I look like when I get up. Like, don't believe everything you see on Instagram. And I'm like, 
girl, that's definitely not what you look like. Like you still look amazing. Like I'm like, I look rough, but it's and same thing. It's like your failures. It's not always about like your exterior. It's like posting about the struggles, the realities, the fogged glasses with the masks. Like it's, that's like the life that you live. I don't live a glam life. I could definitely go out of my way to post and share. Like I live this glamorous life every day. I definitely don't. I grind Monday through Friday and I grind even on the weekends, but that's like part of the journey. And, you know, you mentioned failure. I feel like I've failed so many times. I don't fear failure anymore because I've grown every single time I've grown. And I look at those instances and I'm so proud because I could have quit. You know, like the first time I failed was, well, I consider failing. I was uh, 16 years old and I fell at my state track meet and I was slated to win. I was like on the, you know, on the horizon for lots of track scholarships. And I was like, my life's over. Like it's, it's over. I, I'm not going to get track scholarships and like no co- coaches are going to look at me. And then I ended up getting more letters from schools because I got up and I finished the race, even though I got like 15th instead of first. And the letters I got, they were like, you know, thank you so much for picking yourself up and showing that tenacity because that's what we want in a midshipman. And that's what we want on our track team. And I was Uh-oh. like, oh my God, like what? Like, you know, 16 year old Kelly, like learned a lesson so early on that like, it's not always about being number one or getting the crowd or having the most followers or having the prettiest face. Like it's true, like who you're coming along in this journey. And like, it's going to work out, you know, keep showing up, keep putting your best foot forward, do the challenging and scary things. And like the worst that will happen is it doesn't work out exactly how you thought it was going to go. Like it's going to work out exactly how it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Like it's part of that journey. So now I'm like, even when I became a flag aide, I, the response I kept literally telling the staff in Austin for like three months, I was like, well, haven't been fired yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they're like, how's it going? How, I'm like, I haven't been fired. I, I doing something right. Like I, I just was like the, my standard was like, get fired or not get fired. Like if I don't get fired, cool. Like success. So I just try to like, just pick myself up and like, don't be afraid of that failure because the biggest growth moments have happened in between. You know, and one other thing I will add besides that is, is get curious and, and have an aware and, and, and always admit when you don't have an awareness of things, those are two areas that I tell people when they are so scared of something or they don't feel like they don't know, admit that, be curious. Because when you're curious and you want to know something, that means you're willing to learn. You're willing to take the next step. And I, there's so many times where it's easy to get defensive. It's easy to feel like you should know and you don't know it and go to that direction versus going the direction. You're like, sir, I, or ma'am, I didn't have an awareness about that. I I would love to learn more. Where can I find that instruction? Where can I go? So I can be a better educator for my people. Yep. And and very often I find they don't even know where they're quoting it from. And they're like, Oh, it was just something I learned. And that's a great opportunity not to, again, put your, your superiors down, but a great opportunity. Like, you know, let me do some research and get back to you. So that way we're both on the same page or that we yeah. both can share this message. And, and people really do appreciate that because it's showing initiative. It's showing that you care and you're doing so in a very respectful way. So yeah, that, yeah. that's definitely what I would I add that. on to your point. And I think that's a, that's a great note to end on just for, you know, we're talking a lot about personally, like how to create your path, how, how to do that. Here are tips, how to, you know, fuel those passions, but like step aside and also, well, 
will end on like how to support others who are creating their paths. And uh, one of my, my favorite quotes, have you seen Ted Lasso? It's on Apple TV. I haven't seen it. I don't okay. have Apple TV here, but okay. I've heard good things about the. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I would say if you could watch Ted Lasso, <laughs> quick, this isn't sponsored, but he says this quote, which stuck and it was be curious, not judgmental. And it's just about asking questions. And I'm like, I cannot encourage all listeners, everyone more to just be curious instead of judgmental because it's so easy to be like, oh my goodness, she thinks she's going to create a path and be a pageant queen and an orthodontist. And it's like, instead of saying that, be like, wait a second, how is she creating a path of becoming a pageant queen and an orthodontist? Like what, you know, like, and then not only are you showing that interest in your, you're being curious and not judging, but you might take away something in your own life. Like we're not telling you to go be a pageant queen and orthodontist, but you might be able to push yourself in a direction because you were inspired by their story. And so who doesn't want to live inspired instead of judged? You know what I mean? Like release that judgment out of your heart and be inspired by other people's stories. And I think that's just how I am now. Like I'm hardly ever judgmental about anything because I'm like, you know what? You go girl. Like you want to do that? I think that's awesome. You know, as long as you're doing it the right way or whatever, you're not breaking the law. Or <laughs> like for the most part, I'm like, I think it's great that you want to pursue that. And like you said, I ask questions about how or why. So I think that we could all be more supportive as we try to create our own paths. I completely agree. And, you know, besides being, you know, judgmental is also admitting when you may have a preconceived notion. So, you know, for example, I look at COVID like, you know, you're just like a common cold where the reality is, is it affects people differently and admitting to the people that you work closely with, admitting that some of your own stereotypes, your own notions, and then also letting them know that you'll be there for them or ask them how you can support them is huge. That's definitely an area I've had a lot of humble pride myself of admitting where things may not affect me as much because I take good care of myself, but that's not always the case for everyone around me. Someone may yeah. be immunocompromised. Someone may have preconceived um, health history where they will be more susceptible things and acknowledging that and, and, and being honest. And there's, and also admitting when you're wrong. I mean, right. we all love being right, but when you admit you're, you're wrong, you're like, Hey, you know what? I screwed this up, but I want to fix it. People love that. They mm. love that you're owning that. And how are they going to come after you? You just told them, you just told me you were wrong. You just admitted everything you did and you want to fix it there. You know, in fact, sometimes my leaders are like, I don't know what to tell you. I was just going to tell you wrong. Okay, great, sir. I want to fix it. What can I do? Mm-hmm. How can we make this right? So it's yeah. been really, really, really a helpful thing to do. Yeah. Well, I am so excited for you. Like you just keep killing it every every year. And then now you have even more on the horizon. I feel like we could talk for three more hours. Um, we could but definitely Kelly, but I, I have to go to work. <laughs> I know. Unfortunately you have to go do your actual job, but please tell everyone like, you know, your projects you're working on, how they can find you everything. And I also link it in the show notes for, for everyone. Yes, no, absolutely. So besides being a naval officer, commander, orthodontist, and pageant queen, I'm also in the works of publishing a book. It is right now at the Pentagon being reviewed. So if anyone wants to know how to publish a book, um, 
the go-abouts of how to do it properly in the military, please reach out to me as well as how to do a motivational talk with the military and do all these other activities. So you can find me at, on Instagram at Dr. Corinne Devin. That's D-R-C-O-R-I-N-N-E-D-E-B-I-N. That's the same on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Wow. And feel free to message me and I would be more than happy to share what I've learned because it's definitely a process. I have about 55 books ahead of mine. And during COVID, they had more books than what to do with. So wow. I don't have a set timeline of when that book is going to be released, but I do have a great photo up of titles that I'm looking to pitch with the book. And it's simply about my life and lessons I learned along the way. And wow. so a combination of kind of a memoir and self-help wow. and, you know, you know, writing for me, a book is a beautiful journey that if you have grit and determination, you'll see it through because it's a labor of love. It's, it's nothing yeah. for the faint of heart, but I would definitely tell you, I have a coach or a mentor or someone I'm working with every aspect of my life. I do not do this alone. It takes an, a village, yeah. an army, a Navy yeah. for people to support me. So I, I would encourage your audience. If you feel overwhelmed doing it by yourself, ask for help. There's nothing wrong for asking help because yours truly does it all the time. Yeah. That's so important. And another thing too, is like, I, when I feel these questions of people who want to pursue things like pageantry or, or whatever it is. And I tell them like, Oh, I have a coach. And they're like, Oh, like how expensive that is. I always kind of rebuttal with, well, how serious are you? You know, like if you seriously want to be an author or a pageant queen or a motivational speaker or whatever, like, yeah, it takes money, but like, that's it, the professional. Like you said, what was the quote that you said? To work, go faster. You got to work with a the master. There we go. Yeah. Yes. I so literally have scribble notes over here as I can find. <laughs> but yes, exactly. That is like what I'm going to tell everyone who reaches out to me now, because it's not about like paying your way towards success. It's about taking it seriously and working with the best. So yes. I think that's incredible advice. You just blow me away, Dr. <laughs> Friend Devin. I just literally, I'm literally just always love it. I just love talking to you. Like you just are so inspiring and amazing. And thank you. Well, thank you. I hope we can do it again in person. And I am looking forward to coming back to the United States. We live, I mean, Japan is wonderful and it's a great place to be stationed, but we definitely live in the best country in the world. And so it's an honor and privilege to serve with another fantastic, amazing service member that I just adore from afar and fangirl from afar. But yes, thank you so much for having me on my sh- on your show. And I can't wait to see what you also do next, Lieutenant Hall or Lieutenant Sabrotsky, whatever yeah. you name. I know. I'm hoping for Lieutenant Commander Sabrotsky. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Completely different name change and rank change. TBD. But Well, when you do, let me know. And welcome to the Oak Leaf Club. Thank you. <laughs> we'll see. Lots of stuff on the horizon. Thank you so much, ma'am. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Misunderstood Podcast. I love hearing from you guys. And I want you to take a screenshot of this episode, tag at misunderstood.podcast on Instagram and share a takeaway from today's episode. Something you love, something you wanted more of, whatever it is, it helps me learn what you guys want to hear. Please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify. I want to give a special shout out to my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. If you are looking to launch a podcast or if you already have one, you can get unlimited podcast editing by visiting usehatch.fm. That's usehatch.fm. Thanks so much, guys. Until next week, this is your misunderstood Kelly Hall.